It's time for this week's Uplift. Three ordinary guys that want you to find the freedom that is available by knowing our Lord Jesus Christ. So sit back and enjoy Uplift, brought to you by the Fulcrum Center. Visit our site at thefulcrumcenter.org. Well, good evening, everyone, and uh, I'm Phil Bliss. I'm Ian Thornton. I'm Chad McLeish. And tonight we have with us Robert Johnson. Uh, welcome, Robert. Good to have you Thanks, with us tonight. Glad to be here. Uh, Robert is a cousin of Chad, first cousin Chad. Is that right? I'm not smart enough to understand cousins <laughs> and how that works. Just being honest. <laughs> like first cousins. Oh, they're, yes. they're related. <laughs> yes, we so Robert, quick story. Robert and I were very close when we were young, growing up. We lived very close to each other. We did everything together, played ball, rode bikes. All, all the things that young young kids did. And, and we were best friends and cousins growing up all through school and everything. And then uh, he moved away for college down south to Georgia and then uh, got married. And I was fortunate enough to be best man in his wedding. And then he moved permanently to uh, Hartsville, South Carolina, where he uh, uh, taught uh, school at a, um, it was a manual, right? Or what, what was the yeah. name? Of, yeah. It was a manual Christian school. Yeah. Yep. So he taught school there for 10 years and now is, uh, for the past seven years is been the pastor of the Hartsville, South Carolina assembly of God. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, thank you for being here and joining us and, uh, Robert is one of the most upbeat people that I've ever met, and he will just lay it down and preach at the drop of a hat, including at a wedding reception that for his son that we just happened to attend a couple weeks ago. And we were just standing around talking, and boom, he laid down a sermon. <laughs> he, he will share about Jesus anytime, anywhere, and he's just ecstatic to do it so you know uh he's a very special person to me and i think that uh you know uh and also that your your church services are live streamed all your services are live streamed and you can watch them on facebook on uh christian i think it's christian ag or something like it's, that it's christian fellowship ag on facebook okay yep so yeah, you can yeah, check out eleven o'clock is when we stream our service. So yeah, yep, good stuff. All right. Yeah, thanks for so thanks for joining us, man. We're we're thrilled to yeah. have you. <clears throat> so uh, one of the reasons we're remote is because there's many miles between the, all of us. Um, that's one reason we could have all three of us been in the studio to do this and and had Robert remote, but um, the night that we typically record, there is something mm -hmm. very big going on at uh, the church where I am the pastor and uh, where Chad attends. So we decided to take a different night and this worked best for all of us. So we decided we'll just do it on Zoom. So yeah. here we are. And of course, if you're listening on the podcast, you're not going to realize that we're on Zoom, but uh, we hope you enjoy it regardless. So before we started recording, Robert had a great topic to bring up. So if you don't mind, I'm just going to throw you right into the fire, Robert, and see if you can... Uh, <laughs> Bring up that topic again, and we'll start discussing it. How's that sound? 
Sure, that that sounds great. Now I'll try not to be long-winded. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, so I was I was just discussing uh, before we kind of came on, but I was talking about what was on my what's been on my heart recently, and as a pastor, you know, Paul gives to Timothy some advice. He gives him some advice as a as a young pastor in Ephesus, and Timothy is dealing with a bunch of false teachers. He's dealing with guys who are actually undermining Jesus who are actually preaching something else or they're they're hanging on to Jewish traditions that actually mm-hmm. in one sense they're they're using that that in genealogies to to take people away from their faith in Christ and, and of course let me mention this too this for context the early church like it's not like it is today today we see mostly gentiles in our churches across America and in reality, like the early church was originally mostly Jewish people who are accepting their Messiah. And so so you have a lot of Jewish teachers out there. And uh, and so, again, we, we see that Timothy is dealing with some guys who just don't believe that Jesus is Messiah. And he's trying to pastor the church there and constantly coming. They're coming against him. Uh, and. Paul actually names these guys. One of them is named Alexander. Alexander uh, might be the same guy that testifies against Paul in Rome when Paul has to go to Rome. So Alexander's not what we would consider a great guy. He's like, he continually follows these guys around, undermining what they're doing, uh, while at the same time the gospel keeps going forward. But he tells Timothy, so Timothy is dealing with this issue. And to me, it's like, this is, like what we should be telling our young people anyway. But he's he's struggling at Ephesus with this group of people. And so Paul tells him to know the word of God. And this is out of First Timothy chapter one. He urged one Timothy is so discouraged he wants to leave Ephesus. He wants to actually quit pastoring and go where Paul's at. And it's not like Timothy's being rebellious, like he's trying to determine whether he wants to be a pastor or a missionary, right? Like, I'm still serving the Lord, right? But it's like, but Paul urges him to stay there, even though he doesn't want to. And he writes this, and this is what I was mentioning earlier. First Timothy chapter one, verse eight, he says, but we know that the Torah is good if one uses it legitimately. And just really powerful what he says and he, he even says uh, above this, he says, some having missed the mark have turned away to fruitless discussion. All right. So f- fruitless discussion can happen when it's not done in proper context and you end up with something other than what scripture is saying. And he says, wanting to be teachers of Torah, even though they do not understand what they keep saying or what they so dogmatically assert. And then he talks to Timothy, hey, we know the Torah is good when it's used legitimately. And so kind of the topic is what about discipleship in our churches? Because one of the statistics that we find out is like 25% of adult Christians don't believe that the word of God is the word of God. And so you kind of have this situation where the culture overrides what God's word says. We call ourselves believers and then we allow the culture to dictate our life. And so it's like, well, wait a second. Was that what Paul told Timothy? Is that what? So so just throwing out the idea of what about discipleship in our world today? Like, what do we think about 
um, biblical interpretation and, and what's happening in our churches. You know, it's interesting you bring this up because we had a similar topic a couple of weeks ago. We um, <clears throat> said that the church is kind of chasing after society, trying to keep up with society, whereas the church should be preaching to society and saying, hey, we need to come back to the word of God. But it seems as though many churches are trying to just fit in and get the bottom line, get more people in so they can get more money or whatever it may be. But still, regardless of what their motive is, it's kind of reversed. So this is a great topic for us to, to bring up tonight. And I know uh, Ian and I have been talking about discipleship quite a bit lately too. So perfect yeah. timing. All right. Yeah, it really is. It's looking at, um, you know, Robert, one of the things that you brought up was as far as the, well, yeah, biblical interpretation. And, and it seems like so much of the Bible is interpreted through our culture and what makes us comfortable or what's not going to push us, quote unquote, too far um, off of what we're holding so tightly to when it really is about death of self. <laughs> I mean, you can start stripping it down right away. Yeah. Um, and, and people are just, they, they don't want that. They don't want to, to be inconvenienced. And, and there's so much of that point, the world in the church that the truth um, is watered down if even brought up. And, and it's, um, it can be, it, it is, it's difficult difficult to see knowing the truth of what God has done for our lives was even one of the things that we were talking about before we started recording. You know, we can all talk about our previous life before the Lord. And then, you know, what, it, you know, what does it look like now and what has God done for us? And, and that's where the joy and the uplifting things come in is because we, we know what the blood of Christ has done and we know who we are now. And, and even for us, you know, we want that for everyone else. But if the word is not brought forth as the truth that it is, then people will stay where they are. You know, it, it's pretty amazing what God does for us. You know, he really could say, unless you know what I say in my word, unless you, you know, understand it and interpret it correctly, I'm not going to bless you. But he doesn't do that. He still blesses us even though we don't know, because there are so many people, let's just take the 75% that do believe the word of God is, is exactly what it says. And of that 75%, I would really like to know how many have even read the Bible or read it consistently. And it's probably a pretty low number, <clears throat> but yet God still bestows his blessings upon us. So just imagine if we really took time to become disciples of Christ what would he do and how would he use us? It'd be amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, this, the concepts, like one of the things that I, I've, I've been studying about, you know, Paul actually says in Corinthians, he says that, that he's no, that God's no longer, and this is dealing with Pentecost. I was, I was I've mentioned this a few times because I think there's a misunderstanding about Pentecost too, but like Pentecost was a commemoration of bringing the Torah off of Mount Sinai mm -hmm. that God right. had written on tablets. 
And so they celebrated it. Hey, he has written his law on that. He has given us his instruction. And then Pentecost happens at this at Acts 2, where instead of writing on tablets, he writes on our hearts. Mm-hmm. And Paul testifies that in Corinthians, he's no longer writing on stone tablets, but writing on our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And, and so, um, you know, I, I start thinking about that. I'm going, wow, that is, that is such a powerful concept. We're to be these living Torahs. Like we're, we, we have, you know, the fulfillment of Jeremiah where he's taken our heart of stone and made it a heart of flesh is happening. And, and so discipleship really brings out, I think, the, the meat of that. Like you have an appreciation for that. Uh, one of the things that we discovered in our, our youth was that uh, we we have discovered that we have a lot of youth who are saved. Like they know enough to know the Lord Jesus, and they testify about Jesus. But you ask them to turn to a book in the Bible, and they literally have no idea. Mm-hmm. Like they don't. They do not know. They know just like so. They know somebody along the way has told them right enough that man god's grace has poured out right like they are mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but but that's it and uh well that's that's a scary thing to me because uh, uh on the same gallup poll it was talking about between seventh grade and the first year of college we lose 84 mm-hmm. percent of of believers like we lose them right there and, and so it's between those years. And so all of a sudden, our youth groups become really important about discipleship. Like, how much should our young people be ready for college and know the word of God? Because Timothy was a young man, right? Paul's, Paul's answer to Timothy about his real life problems is know the word of God. And I think we have to address that with our young people. Like, hey, you're going to experience real problems, but Christianity is real faith and, and, it, and he's a real God and you're going to see real things and real miracles and real deliverance and all these kinds, but, but know the word of God. Uh, Cause these real problems are going to come. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I remember there was a, there was an article um, or a, a story or something that I read. There was a biblical, um, he was like a Bible professor at a Christian college in Arizona. And he, uh, you know, did, he conducted this big poll of Christians. And I don't know where the where the boundaries of it were, but I, I think it was across the United States. They somehow polled all these Christians. And it basically he's talked about people who identified as Christians were they had to change the 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 college had to change its like mission statement to identify itself as having a biblical worldview versus having a christian worldview because so many people in america associate being a christian as being a nice person (laughs) and not you know being a a follower of christ and, and all that sort of thing and so they he he basically said, well, we had to take it a step further to I to identify ourselves and say, okay, we have a biblical worldview because we don't want to just be nice people. We want to be, you know, true to the word and and our beliefs in Christ and all that sort of thing. 
and that that blew my mind. But well, um, yeah. you know, be kind, right? I mean, but but when you read that section where Jesus starts flipping tables, like that that'll if your right. if your definition of Christianity is niceness. And all of a sudden, the Bible starts messing with you because Jesus starts flipping tables. And <laughs> right. All of a sudden, you're going, wow, Jesus being pretty unchristian. But wait, oh, he is Christ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, I, the, I associate that in non-technical terms as a lot of people look, read the Bible with rose-colored glasses. I mean, Phil and I are walking through this right now in the Methodist Church. You know, the United Methodist Church. We're 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 in a process of uh, voting for disaffiliation and all that sort of thing in our congregation for this reason, because mm-hmm. you know it's it's not only is it the, the discipleship thing you're talking about, but it's how do people interpret the word, and it goes back to. The church chasing society and and fitting what they're doing and and you know back to your point Robert about you know Timothy and the false teachers and all that thing you know Phil I, I was sitting next to Phil at a at an informational meeting and I had to hold him back because he was going into attack mode like Jesus did because there was a false teacher up there yeah there was a yeah. false teacher up there and Phil was going to get him I had to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's it's very real as you as you talk about you know this Timothy thing was two thousand years ago with false teachers. Well, guess what? Here we are. You know, we're two thousand years later, and they're still false teachers. Yeah. You know, they're saying you know we all just have different looks outlooks on things, different ways of looking at things, and it's all okay as long as we think that Jesus was a good guy. And I mean that's that that's kind of like their the view of these these we'll call them false teachers. So we're all kind of Timothy's, you know. We're all kind of that way because it's it's we're frustrated, you know. I mean I've I've watched Phil and Ian both be frustrated at points, you know, in in their roles as pastors, and you know I'm sure it probably at points you have too, but. You know, so it, it's funny how things change, but yet things stay the same. Yeah. There's nothing new under the sun. Yeah. Yeah. And Solomon got that one right. Yeah. And uh, Paul, Paul, if you keep reading through the letters to Timothy, Paul actually says, like, this is going to continue because there's going to eventually in the end times, what it's going to lead to is people who want to have their ears tickled is how he puts yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, yeah. so the end times, they're going to want to hear what they want to hear, but not hear the whole message. Right. So like, so like it's, 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 I kind of relay it to the, the idea like, Hey, by the way, you know, if, if you give, if you give to the ministry a hundred dollars, God's going to give you a thousand by the end of the week. Well, that's, I don't, that's not in scripture. Like there's no equation for that. No. <laughs> Uh, yes, if you sow into the, there is seed time and harvest. And so when you mm-hmm. sow, you harvest, but we're not told when the harvest is going to be. And we're not right. told what the harvest is going to be. We're just assuming, right, a certain amount of things here. But, you know, people are drawn to teachings that they want to hear in situations that they're in. And so, 
you end up with like like this false understanding because it's e it's either only taking a part of the word right or it's misinterpreting a part of the word but it's not taking the whole mm -hmm. uh, and so to me that's that's very very scary i think i think you you know the frustration will probably as the end times get closer man that that will be greater like mm -hmm. that will be uh, a frustration for people who are understanding what, what God's word is <laughs> using it legitimately. And then, man, it just, you know, becomes something right. else in, in other places. Mm. <laughs> Sorry about that. And it really does. Everything that we've been talking about really does <clears throat> outline the what one, the necessity of the discipleship that, you know, what, what we've been talking about and, and two, just the, the preparation that, God is instilling in our hearts for what needs to be like Jesus at 12 years old just says, Hey, I, I'm, I'm being about my father's business. And, and he's really, you know, the Lord is really giving us a clear roadmap of what business we are supposed to be about. And, and to, to take his word, the whole truth of it and not just the bits and pieces but teach it down from okay what's the book after genesis right i mean you know really laying it out and then pulling those truths out of those books but then further connecting them because there is the crimson thread of christ that runs from genesis to revelation and for people to to grab a hold of that truth that flows all the way through that connects all of it it's not bits and pieces it's a complete. And, and a lot of times it's not taught that way either. It's just right. grab this, grab that. And, and God's like, no, 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 no. It's, it's all. And it's one of the things we, we've talked about um, several times when we talk about the, the totality of scriptures. Phil, Phil's brought this up more than once, and I just love it. But he's like, when he gets a new Bible, he rips out the pages between Malachi and Matthew because yeah. it's all one book. You know, it's just it's all together and it works and it flows and it's, you know, part of what you're referencing, Robert, you know, here's Paul talking to Timothy about the Torah, you know, because it's all one and it's, we can't pick and choose. And, and that's, that's one of the biggest battles I'd I see on the, that we're mm -hmm. on with the front lines um, with churches in particular. Mm -hmm. So. I am uh this is going to air a week after we record it, but this coming weekend, I'm going to be delivering a sermon that I know a lot of people aren't going to like uh, because they're either afraid of it or they don't understand it. So they don't want to talk about it. And that is healing that God wants us well. And I'm going to lay down from scripture saying, you know, Jesus healed. Here's where he told us to heal others. I'm actually uh, using the the scripture from James, where he says, "If any of you are sick, go before the elders of the church." And you know, I I don't know what kind of feedback I'll get. Probably, oh, that was great, and then they'll walk out and forget all about it. But hey, I give anyway. you two thumbs up. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, <laughs> next week, the whole the, I'm doing a series on freedom. Um, yeah. Last week was freedom from sin. This week is freedom from illness and healing. There's going to be freedom from the demonic and freedom from religion is going to be in there, too. So yeah. I know it's not a, a feel good um, 
topic, any of those, but God has, you know, my whole time in ministry, he will first, he developed me and got me to this point. And now he's just been really pushing me. Tell the people what the word says, because they need to know. And, you know, I wish I could just open up their head and just pour it all in and they would all have the same knowledge as Chad and Ian, but <laughs> that's what I'm talking about right there. Wouldn't it be great if God oh, it would be, <laughs> it would be. I, I'm waiting for that day. <laughs> Damn brother, you're going to be waiting. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. I say that in jest, but <laughs> one of the well, things, yeah, don't you, go, yeah, ahead, go ahead. Robert. I was going to say it, it's, it's interesting that you said that because my wife and I, we've been talking about this for a while. We've actually been starting reading more books and some scripture about this. You know, Jesus's ministry is defined by healing. He mm -hmm. talks, he talks about, you know, Jesus's first sermon is about healing the blind, healing the lame, right? His first mm -hmm. sermon is about the day of the Lord's favor. Yeah. And to, yeah. to do what? To deliver. And one of the things that we've been talking about is, deliverance like i think this year i've been telling the church i'm like look i'm gonna tell you the word for this year is deliverance mm -hmm. it's deliverance and and we need and i think jesus that's really what his ministry is about and his expectation of belief of his believers was that they would carry on that ministry mm -hmm. that like somehow it doesn't end Absolutely. but as the holy spirit's been poured out it continues yeah and so we have, the problem is we have a lot of people that have settled for just being hurt and they've settled for being okay with not healed. And yeah. being, it's, you're, you're, it's like you're walking lame throughout the kingdom. And I don't think that's Jesus's plan. <laughs> no. no. Yeah, absolutely. No, but you know, the enemy has just, they've allowed the enemy to help or allow that to identify <clears throat> that's who we are. I am lame. I am. And it's just embraced. They've just embraced it instead of embracing the freedom and the deliverance and the healing that Jesus died for. Mm -hmm. It's exactly, it's amazing. And it's part of the breaking, you know, that's that, that God wants to happen for his kids. You know, and, and those are the kind of things, just like what you were saying, Robbie, you know, Jesus's first sermon was about that. And, and it's one of those things that's tangible, physical evidence that the power of God is put on display. Yeah. It cannot be denied. You have to you have to admit it. You have to do something with it. Something, you know, you either embrace it or you deny it, but you can't just let it go. So now, Phil, you got to be ready, though, because you're going to preach that. Right. And Jesus first sermon about that didn't go so well. Right, like they want to throw him off the cliff, right? So I'm just saying. I'm ready. I'm hoping someone stands up and says, okay, let's do it, and I'll be ready. Yeah. I, I yeah. know God will be ready to do it. I was going to say, Phil, are, are we going to do an altar call? You know, I always say I'll do an altar call if the Lord leads me to, and I have a feeling he may lead me to this week, and we'll see. You know, I, I really believe that, yeah, it might be coming. With some anointing oil, you're preaching out of James, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, yeah some anointing oil there, right? Yep, yep. And you know, uh, yeah. I want to comment on what you said. It just it struck me when you were saying it. And uh, I think it was uh, John's disciples come to Jesus and say, 
you know, mm. are you the one or should we be looking for somebody else? And he's like, they, the, the sick are healed and the lame are walking and the blind are seeing. That's his ministry. You're right. And it just kind of hit me when you were saying that, like, I don't know how many times I've read that and didn't quite really correlate it in such a way. But I mean, think about this. If you were, if you were in Jesus's time, it, one of the one of the worst things you do is hear Jesus was coming to down to, to town if you were a doctor, right? Like, because here here comes Jesus. I love that. And when you when you read when you read the scripture, like we so the the apostles are selective, right? They select the miracles they put in there, right? And John's yeah, yeah. like, man, we can't put we can't put it all in there because there just right. wouldn't be enough. Room. And so they're selective, right? But could you, and there's there's sections of scripture where it says Jesus is like healing all day long, like he's healing the whole city, and and yeah. so you know, could you imagine the poor doctor is like I'm going to move to the next. City. Jesus, where are you not going? I mm. will go there, mm-hmm. like because I mean, because he is so defined. I mean, we just don't yeah. in our minds we think of the scriptures where we see those miracles, and we think those are the only miracles. Right. Mm-hmm. And we and we forget how That's right. often and how I, I met a person. They said they, they actually told me, they said, well, I don't believe in faith healers. I said, OK, I kind of understood what they meant by that. But in reality, Jesus was sitting down healing people all day long. <laughs> he was wearing himself out with healing. And then he'd go pray three hours that night or all night. And, you know, and so, you know, we look at that and we think, man, if you really pay attention to what Jesus's ministry is about, it's always about deliverance. It's always about, and, and healing is a category of that, like mm-hmm. mm. delivered physically being That's delivered, right. you know, uh, you know, all these different ways. Um, and you'd see, and yes, and battling, you know, first John three, eight, you know, Hey, Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. We don't, we don't like to talk about the devil cause that's weird, right? Like we don't <laughs> we want to talk about things that, that are like that, but that's what Jesus's ministry is defined as. But some of that work, some some people were oppressed and they needed a deliverance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The woman who was bent over for years, yes, you know he doesn't he doesn't come in like a chiropractor and like, you know crack her back. He right. he tells the demon to leave and she straightens up. <laughs> like, and uh, the reality is, like, awesome. that's Jesus' ministry. And I think we got to fully embrace those things because here's another thing, right? Like, we can talk about Scripture. Like, we can read it and tell people about it. But the one thing you're going to have a really hard time doing is explaining a miracle. Like, you can't explain it away. Mm-hmm. So people people can they can try to explain Scripture away. But when somebody's healed, somebody's raised back to life, somebody's, that's- you know, you can't do anything with that. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Right. That's where you just, you have to either embrace it or you have to deny it. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's no, no middle ground. ground in that one. That's exactly right. Yeah. Exactly right. And it can't be explained too, scientifically. It can't be explained. Yeah. It, oh, yeah. it is yeah. a miracle. Jesus came to set the captives free and, and, you know, just praying and asking him to just give us, his sight, you know, Jesus, how do you, you know, God, how do you see this? You know, is it something physical? Is it something spiritual? And then, you know, tell us what to do. I'm, how do we handle mm-hmm. this? How do we move forward? And just be <clears throat> obedient to, to be his, there again, be his disciple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I mean, gets back down to that word. Mm. Just really be, you know, we're not, you know, the, the world term of Christian, but it's really, you know, man, I'm sold out. S-O-U-L-E-D. Yeah. Sold out. Hey, look, I'm, I'm very excited about the Holy Spirit having been poured out, giving us gifts and the abilities, empowerment, all this. But one of the things of the Holy Spirit we don't often think about is he's to teach us all things that Jesus taught. Exactly. Right. And so we'll bring all things to our remembrance. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Man, that's good do you see, It is. It is. One of the things, that, too, Robert, I wanted to ask you, do you see um, where – you know, in, in your area and, and all in the um, areas of influence and all that God has, has blessed you with, are you seeing the youth much more open to embrace and digest all of this? So I will tell you, okay, so I live in a pretty oppressed area. Um, but well, let me kind of start off with that. The area we live in is, is, it's, there's over 150 churches for a group of people that would be eight to 10,000, maybe 30,000. And really? there's over, there's a huge amount of churches. There's a church on every block. And one of the things I've been preaching in the community, like to, when I get a chance to speak in the community, I'm like, our number of churches is not a sign of our strength. It's a sign of mm-hmm. our weakness because we can't be together. And so the enemy has divided us so much. Mm. We just have little churches everywhere that aren't doing anything and Hartsville's lost. And the amount of churches that are there and the amount of believers that are there, Hartsville should have been one a long time ago. A hundred years ago, Hartsville should have been one, but it's not. And it's still not. And, and it's kind of going back to what we're saying. Everybody calls themselves a Christian, right? You can walk up to somebody gotcha. who's taking, currently taking drugs and say, Hey, do you know Jesus? Oh yes. I love him. But then you got to start saying, well, tell me how you met him. Tell me, tell me your experience. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you know, oh, okay. So what I'm seeing, like, I think, I think across America, I think, I think the youth are very receptive. I think, I think there's this misunderstanding with our youth that like, they're just rebellious or that they're just this or that. Yeah. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what our youth are. Right. I mean, so my son just got married. I'm going to tell you where our youth are at. Our youth are into authenticity. They, they are they are ready for real. They're, they yeah. don't want to fake. And every time, and see what's been happening across America is they go to churches that they feel like are fake because their parents will go to church and then act another way at, in different situations. That's, yeah, yeah. So in their mind, they're going, I don't need that. I don't want that because if Jesus was really real, then you wouldn't be that way. Mm. And That's so our youth are, are powerful mm. when it comes to serving Christ and they're ready. Yeah. But they're, they're ready to see the real thing. Like they're, yeah. and, and I think it's going to come with that whole ministry of healing and deliverance when they see the miracles taking place. I, I think that's what it's going to change lives. It always does. Like that's yeah. the real. Right. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's good. that's good. That's a lot of what we're seeing here as well is is authenticity is is the perfect word for it um they want truth they want um reality from what of what they're being told they want to see it they want to see it yeah 
Which you say something in my mind should just be called a believer, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but no, you're absolutely right, and that—that's that is the foundation right there. It is. That is the foundation. So, were you going to yeah. say something, Chad? Well, I was just going to say, you know, so Kathy and I went down to Robert's son's wedding wedding and his reception. Okay. And, you know, my wife, Kathy, was just blown away by these kids that you guys are talking about because these kids were on fire. And the whole wedding ceremony was about Jesus. And, and, and you know, I mean, I, it's it was very different than what we're used to seeing at weddings. Um, you know, most people, oh, you know, we, we got to go through this religious ceremony and then we get to go to the reception and have a party. You know, that's what we're used to seeing. And so, like, we go to this wedding for Robert's son and all those umpteen friends that are in this wedding party. And we're just kind of like, oh, you know, da da da, they're going to do this normal thing. And then it's like, whoa, what's going on here? And these kids were on fire. And that's one thing like Kathy was just blown away and like super energized by is because these kids, they're for real. They're talking about Jesus. And, and you know, they're like uh, even the DJ at the wedding was like, you know, I've never seen anything like this before. And he said that he's done. I think what did he say? He's done like 300 weddings or whatever the number was. He yeah. said, I've never seen anything like this. And it was it was amazing because. He even said at the end of the wedding reception, before he shut shut it down for the night, he was like, I've never seen a wedding and a group of people that made it all about Christ. And mm. he said, so, you know, I give I give you guys all, you know, props for that. But these kids, they're they're looking for authenticity. They're looking for energy. They want the energy they want. They're seeking um you know, the, 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 the miracles and the power mm -hmm. and all that sort of thing. And, uh, it's amazing to watch and, uh, it's just mind blowing. It really is. And, mm -hmm. you know, there's a saying something about we're, we were made for a time such as this. I see that a lot. In and Esther it, chapter four. Yeah. Esther four. Yeah. And, and people are talking about that a lot. And I mean, I feel it with with these kids because I grew up in a church where it was like, you know, we're singing those 150 year old hymns and we're listening to the organ music and all those sorts of things. And the kids are gone. The kids aren't there. And I mean, I'm not like criticizing that. It's just the kids want that authenticity. These kids are built for a time and a place that is not what a lot of churches are representing and offering them in terms of intensity and energy. And one thing too, um, to kind of add to that whole um, thought process is, you know, Phil and I, we went to some of these other churches locally here um, to talk about this whole disaffiliation thing with the United Methodist Church. And it was even some of the adults were on fire. Like these people were legit on fire and, you know, it's like, man, like this is awesome. These people are into the Holy spirit. They know the word of God and they know where they're going. 
And so it's like these kids that we're talking about were made for a time such as this, but some of the adults are too. But we talk about churches chasing society, but the churches have to reflect the energy of the 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 holy i'm going to use an unofficial term here but i'm going to say the the energy of the holy spirit and i don't think a lot of churches do i think because they're stuck in their their pomp and circumstance and doing the same old thing that they've been doing for 60 70 years and that's not where the holy spirit is that's not where the energy is can i can i mention something about that absolutely we did um (laughs) We did some, there was, it was called an Acts 2 conference that we gathered some churches together and said, hey, what about these, you know, if your church is plateauing or going down or all this kind of stuff. And they talked about relevancy and stuff like that. And I think, and I think to what Phil was mentioning earlier about, again, what you're coming to and what you're realizing, maybe not in these terms, but it's almost like killing these sacred cows. Mm -hmm. These these things in our churches that we have said, this is church. Right. This is church, um, which, by the way, if you haven't seen the Jesus Revolution movie, you should probably see it. Um, but that's exactly what some of the none of the hippies could come into the church. Right. Because this was church and they weren't. Mm-hmm. And and that wasn't Jesus, though. And so Jesus had a different heart. And so the church was literally missing Jesus's heart. And so there's a lot of this sacred cow stuff that goes on. And the. They, they mentioned in the conference, they said that the world's changing every couple of years and the church is changing every 50. Mm. Wow. And so it tells you, you know, like, wow, like we're, you know, we, we are, as far as relevancy goes, we're having a hard time, right? Because we have a tendency to get stuck on some traditions and things like that, which I know I'm not, I'm all for traditions, right? Because I mean, every year my birthday comes around <laughs> And I still want it to be celebrated, so, <laughs> so you know, no tradition. But but at the same time, if it's standing in God's way, right, it has to be removed. Right. And a lot of people right. hold on to traditional things too long because they're no longer relevant. But we have determined and made them holy. And and God never said that the method was holy. Right. He's he's expressing his message is holy, and yeah. so we have a problem with our relevancy of being able to transfer the message to each generation because we can't keep it relevant. And, and, and sometimes we've changed the message in our attempt, which is a problem. And, and so you get, you get a lot of that going on. And, and I would say it like that. Augustine made a great statement that I have, man, I have seen this so often and I had to kind of prepare, uh, I've been trying to train our church about this because I know we're going to have growing pains. We're going to, we haven't had young people. We had young people. The youngest person when I got there was 50. And I'm like, where's the youth? We don't have youth. When was the last time you had youth? Well, we, they don't. <laughs> so I said, here's what's going to happen. We're going to have growing pains, which means we're going to have youth in here and they're going to break stuff and they're going to mess stuff up. And you have to know that our building, our building is so small. It's a multi-purpose building, kind of like this room here, right? It's multi-purpose, hmm. right? Because it can't just be assumed this is the sanctuary and this is the fellowship hall, and this hmm. because we have to have ministries that can use this to reach people for the gospel. 
And so you can't deem the carpet as holy. Like you can't, you can't say no one can use the carpet because we have to, if we're going to reach people for Jesus. Yeah. Right. So at that point, your relevancy, you know, has to change. And Augustine said it this way. I thought it was great. He said, evil is not a substance. It's the corruption of a substance. Yeah. And so we kind of deem things, we label things as either righteous and holy or evil and bad. When in reality, there's a lot of great things out there and it's the corruption of these things that are the sin of, of the world. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so we, we have a tendency to label it. Right. And so that's hold that's holding back our, our ability to be able to witness and be able to yeah. speak to people. Yeah. And wow. even, a, even a lot of that comes down to a lack of discipleship. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. You know, it just, it does, or it speaks to, you know, when, when people get caught up in whether it's the pews or the carpet or the organ or, or whatever it is, at some point in their life, they have met with the Lord and that one thing that the Lord used to draw them closer to him really meant something to them. And then they right. stopped growing. Right. And that, that one thing represents to them that moment of intimacy and, de- and depth of relationship. And so they hold on to that one thing and they never are discipled. Honestly, they never disciple. They never grow past that. So they're always going to hold on to that carpet because, man, I remember that I just saw God move for the church to get the money to get the carpet, whatever it is. Yeah. And that's that's the Hebrews, like the Hebrew scripture. So the writer of Hebrews is literally writing to the Hebrews, telling them, man, you're still drinking milk and you should be eating meat. What has happened? Like, what what's going on? <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. You know, you're that you're still that immature child that's caught up at the brownie buffet instead of going and grabbing the steak that's, you know, that just came off the, the grill. Yeah. You know, your your meals are unbalanced. You know, you just. <clears throat> that's really yeah, something. Ask people like, OK, if you're on your deathbed, what's really important to you at that moment? Because those are probably yeah. going to be the important things in life. Right. And, and I'm pretty sure the Lord holds to those things as important as well. So your salvation is going to be important. Your family is going to be important. You know what you're not going to think about is I wonder if they vacuum the carpet, you know, before people. <laughs> you're just not, you know, that's, that's not on the list. Exactly. <laughs> right. So don't, don't make it on the list, right? It doesn't make the list. <laughs> or kids running in the sanctuary. Right. Like, oh, yeah, right. right. I got in trouble for that yeah. once. I said, let wow, them run. Like <laughs> yeah. Or, or like, Phil, you, you told the story last night, I think it was, um, about how the kids read the scripture. And yeah, some, yeah. somebody didn't like it, so they stopped it. It's like, whoa, whoa, that's not cool. Like, you, yeah. you, know, you, you, you let the kids read the scripture. And, yeah, even if they fumble through the words, that you know, they'll get it. They'll get it. But man, you can't get mad and turn them off when they fumble through the words. Jesus right. wouldn't have. Oh man. He jumped his disciples for not letting them come to him. Yes, he did. He sure did. <laughs> hmm. uh, we know we kind of do this with communion sometimes too. Like I think we have a misunderstanding about communion. 
And I'm, I'm about to open up a can of worms right here. Okay. So, go for it. Yeah. So, <laughs> go for it. Right, like, communion is originally a full meal, mm-hmm. right? And originally was the Passover meal, right? And, mm-hmm. and right. so communion is about coming to a table of the Lord where everyone eats together. And then they would recognize the elements of communion, which was the bread and the wine. Okay. So we have boiled it down to just the elements, right? Now I'm going to ask you a question like what, so that there's a danger, like Paul warns the Corinthian church. And for some reason, we, we've only got one thing in our mind about this communion thing. We are so scared that if somebody drinks this grape juice that we're serving and eats this bread, that they're going to cause damnation to themselves yeah. if they don't know Christ. And I'm going to, I kind of want to ask the question, you know, Paul really had to address that in first in first in Corinthians, what he was talking about was a division that not everybody was allowed to eat at Jesus's table because the church wouldn't allow it. Mm-hmm. And so, so that was the basic premise. And so you almost want to come back to it and say, look, anywhere, therefore in our church where we're not allowing people to come to eat at the Lord's table because we won't allow it. We're going to create that division. We might have a problem. Right. And, and so, you know, you should never use the Lord's table to create division. And I've seen this with like children, right? Like parents are so over area, but in our area, parents are so scared for their young children to take communion because they think if they do this one time and don't know the Lord, don't appreciate the Lord, <laughs> that they're going to go to hell. And I'm just like, listen, guys, listen, this, this is, there's more to this than that. And, and I just want to be like, so we, we almost like deny our children coming to Jesus right. in places where they're supposed to be coming. And I just go up to these parents. I'm like, are they under your household? Do, do you, I mean, when you eat a meal, do you tell them they can't come to the table and eat? Like mm-hmm. you said, you have to wait until I'm done and then, right? So so we've traded off the rich and the poor for like ages now. So now if you're at a certain age, you can take communion. And it's like, well, wait a second. And so, you know, this right. this whole thing about, you know, as believers, it should be a joyous thing. And man, we have become so scared about these. And again, that uh, this discipleship where people just mm-hmm. need to, that you just right. need a, a better understanding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it really yeah. would, it would really set the church free a little bit. If we would just have a better understanding of some of these things. Right. I had somebody really ask would. me one time, how old does my child need to be to take communion? 12. I said, well, is your child still feeding from a bottle? And she's like, no. I said, well, then he can take communion. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, said, it I should be a, it if it was a, a joyful thing that the whole family is engaged in, right? I mean, what yeah. better way to show Christ to your kids yeah. than, exactly. hey, we come exactly. to the table of Jesus, right? Right. Yeah. But but just doing what you're saying, Robert, as, as in, in denying the children that, it adds to the lack of authenticity that kids are dealing with. Because they're like, yeah. why? Why mm-hmm. am I separated? I haven't done anything wrong, but what? And it just it brings it opens up the doors and allows the enemy to bring in that confusion and that separation 
and, and those different things. It does. It does. Yeah. It really does. And it's isn't that like, going back to what Phil going back to what Phil's saying? Like everybody always puts that age of twelve in there. Have you ever noticed? Yeah, I know. What what is it with twelve? Yeah. Is that how old Jesus was when he was at the temple? If it's good enough for Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh, that's funny. <laughs> I mean, I would, I would almost argue that 13 becomes a pretty rebellious age. I'm just saying. Like, <laughs> 12's okay, oh, but 13's not. And then when they go to 15, then they're okay again. And then, <laughs> yeah, I don't care how old you are. I invite you, and you should be taking of it. And 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 the whole thing with First Corinthians seven, you know, I I did a sermon on that once because I got so tired of hearing about that that I people need to know that you're exactly what you said. It was a division yeah. of separating people from the church, and I said the God we serve isn't looking at every little thing we do is going to strike us down because we didn't repent of every little sin before we came to the table. I said, if that's the case, then we're not taking it today because I might have something I haven't repented of. And so it kind of put an end to that, I hope, but well, I don't know. <laughs> have you heard anything, Chad? <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it all goes back to relationship, you know, that's, so the, the core that I get from this conversation is he, God's more concerned about our relationship with him and let, he doesn't care about any of the formality, you know, like he doesn't care what you, I mean, he does care what you did today, but, you know, uh, I, I heard something or read something earlier today you know, like, you know, like people are afraid to go to God because they're afraid that, you know, he's going to be mad at them. And this is something Phil's always talking about. But it's like, no, if you think he's going to be mad at you, that's when you need to go to him. You yeah. know, so he just wants you to come to him when you are in trouble. You know, like, OK, I messed up. I need to go to my father. You know, like I need to go tell my father. And this is something that, you know, Ian had talked about one of his kids wrecked their bike into his truck or something there at one point. And, you know, like they came to, they came to him to tell him God's mm -hmm. the same way with us. And, and he wants us to come to him when we're in trouble. And it's the same with communion, you know, like people, people, you know, the sacred cows, I love the sacred cow comment because it's like, we've got these sacred cows like, Oh, I can't take communion if I sin today. Or, you know, like if I haven't repented or, you know, renounced my sin and, and, and asked for forgiveness and all that sort of thing. And God's like, man, just come to the table. Like it's knock old it covenant, off. Old covenant theology. Right. It is. Yeah. I mean, if we, yes, we've got to repent. I mean, think about, think about living under that, that it's just not a biblical concept, but the concept right. is you're saved by grace and you're kept by grace. But it's, it's a perpetual washing of the blood of Christ. That's why we can go into the throne of God anytime, because the blood of Christ is perpetually washing us. There's never a time when it's yeah. not washing us. And that's important right. for me because, right, like, because otherwise, I mean, the this pressure to be like, man, I, I, like we get saved, but like we understand the concept, okay, I don't deserve this, and thank you, Lord, that you've given it to me. But then we think like after we're saved, after God saves us by his grace, we assume that we have to 
we put so much pressure to live under it. Like, like we have to do this or God will be mad or God will. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, the same grace that saved you is the same grace that keeps you. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's like Jonah, you know, the reluctant missionary who I I almost hate reading the book sometimes because it doesn't end the way we'd like it to. Right. right. Sometimes wonder, God, are you trying to reach the Ninevites? Are you trying to reach Jonah? Yeah. And Jonah could never understand that the grace that God was offering to the Ninevites is the same grace he needed. Mm-hmm. Right? He, he just couldn't grab hold of it. And, and like Jonah is just as undeserving as anybody else. Right. And like, and he could never mm-hmm. grab hold of that. He was just angry that God would show grace to such an evil people, never viewing himself that way. And like, and like, so we have this problem where we have a hard time understanding that we're also kept by that grace. That's just that you're saved by grace. And that doesn't mean you're kept by works, right? That That's what Paul tells right. the Galatians, right? In like chapter right. three, he's like, hey guys, listen, you think that having begun the work in the spirit, that somehow you're going to perfect it by the flesh? Like you're going to somehow, like, like somehow you're going to, be able to continue this thing. In reality, it's it's always about grace and the Holy Spirit. Like we we don't do what we do, and we don't speak about Jesus and and speak to people, even in our own ability or authority or any of that. It's all the Lord. So we are mm-hmm. saved by that grace. We are kept by that grace. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, man, that's good. That's awesome. Hey. Well, you know, guys, we've been talking for almost an hour now. <laughs> it's uh, It went fast, didn't it? Robert, can we have you come back on again sometime? Oh, wait. Sure, that would be great. We would. I, I, I think I can speak for the other two. Can, I would love like it. That would be great. Yeah. yeah. It's Long been fun. fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's yeah. one of the most upbeat <laughs> Like I said, he was—he's one of the most up people I've—I've I've ever known. And man, he'll just lay it down. Like we yeah. could just turn the mic, we could just slide the mic over to him, <laughs> yeah. and let him go. Yeah. But it's been awesome, man. It's been an yeah. awesome evening. I'm sure it has. Yeah, it really has. Yeah. It's a real pleasure to meet you, Robert. Yeah, same well, here. Thanks. It's been a pleasure. I, I appreciate you guys having me on. And anytime, anytime, just just let me know. Absolutely. All right. Well, I guess we should wrap it up for this evening. Um, this has been wonderful. We typically only go a half an hour, but we've always been saying when the time's right, we're going to go longer. And the time was right tonight for sure. So thanks for being a part of it. We really enjoyed having you. My pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. Any, any final thoughts, Chad? No, I think it's been great. And, um, you know, again, just encourage people to give us feedback, uh, give us topics to talk about because it, we were laughing and joking before we started recording and we were, you know, kind of showing Robert, you know, the, 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 the weekly thing that we do, yeah. the sacred cow that we have, which is we <laughs> never know what to talk about. So, so thank you for, for providing our topic for tonight and, and saving us from our own, uh, you know. <laughs> Lack of lack of uh, decision making. Yeah. All right, um, Ian, Robert, you guys have any final thoughts? Good. I had a great time. It was really just encouraging, and 
uplifting and great to be able to to share and get um, perspective from another area of the country. Yeah. <laughs> Some yeah. things that are going on. Um, but at the same time, understanding that, you know, we're the bodies, we're the body working together and, um, you know, being able to connect. Um, I, I think that's a, a valuable thing that I think we get that gets lost in the church today is that is that we're not as connected as we should be. We're not acting mm. like brothers and sisters, sisters, you know, and uh, and I, I know that's one of the things that hurts the Lord's heart. I know that he wants to draw us closer together in that fashion. So looking forward to seeing great things that God's going to be pulling together for us all. Yep. Yeah. God bless you and, your, and all that God is doing through you down there in South Carolina. Robert, it's great to hear about that. Well, thank that you. That keeps us informed. I do watch your show or your uh, ser- or your uh, service every once in a while. I s- subscribe to your Facebook page, and I do catch it every once in a while. And I've seen you do a couple Bible studies too. So, well, hey, I'll give you, I'll give you uh, what we're. I, I keep doing, <laughs> I keep doing this First Timothy thing. I can't, I can't leave the book. But uh, you know, we talked about the importance of the word, the importance of faith, and then the importance of, of discipleship and perseverance. And this week, I really think the Lord's starting to deal with me about identity mm. and um, the the cultural identity issues we're having. Because I'm, yeah. I'm probably going to read a scripture that's not going to be favorable because it talks about the roles of men and women. Mm. And uh, but. I think the Lord was really showing me there that uh, that the enemy has really attacked that and used that. Mm-hmm. And he did it in the garden. He attacked Eve's mm-hmm. identity, her acting independently of her husband, right? Like mm-hmm. an independent of God. And so changing her identity, right? Choosing to change who she should be or who she right. was meant to be. Mm-hmm. And so just, uh, and I think he keeps doing that in our society. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a huge part of where people are just lost. I mean, yeah. you know, the enemy is just taking them so many different directions. They're just lost. And uh, what's well, one of the things, too, that, that God's led us to do through um, the Fulcrum Center, we're going to be doing workshops um, up here. Um, first one is um, April 1st. And Phil's going to be talking about hearing God's voice. You know, God does speak, you know, and, and you can hear his voice. And um, the second one is on identity, dealing with with who we are, who we, not just who we are in Christ, but understanding and building a relationship close yeah. to him. Yeah. So that we know who we are and that he can, he will reveal that to us. And so I, it's, it's think that you, go ahead. Yeah. I think in American culture, see, it's all about independence, right? We celebrate mm-hmm. independence. Right. It's about it, but we are never truly independent. We are dependent dreams right. on God. And we don't see that like our true freedom and deliverance will come with our dependency on him. Mm-hmm. In our mind, freedom equals independence, mm-hmm. but that is not a biblical concept. Mm-hmm. You know what? We should have you back on and talk about that next yeah. time. How's that? Yeah, sound? that'd be awesome. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. All right. Well, <laughs> thank you everybody for joining in tonight. We hope you enjoyed it and uh, we'll be back again next week. God bless everybody. That's all. Blessings.